This is The Guardian. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. They're one of the world's most popular dietary supplements, said by some at least to be good for your eyes, skin, heart and brain. Americans spend over $1.2 billion a year on these supplements in hopes of protecting their heart, boosting their brain, and achieving more youthful skin. What am I talking about? Omega-3 supplements, specifically fish oil. Fish oil capsules filled with omega-3 fatty acids are supposed to be a handy alternative for people who don't really like eating fish. But behind these wondrous health claims... There's a billion-dollar industry mining one of the most productive marine ecosystems on Earth. Four million tonnes of Peruvian anchovetas, a type of anchovy, are caught every year to feed pigs, poultry, farmed fish and to create supplements for us. Unsurprisingly, this is often done in a way that's damaging to people and the environment. Javier Castro is a union leader who represents Peruvian fishermen. He gets melancholic when he overlooks the Bay of Timbote, Peru's main fishing port. And on top of all that, the supplements we take are often rancid. Yes, rancid. Oh. What? That doesn't smell good. That's... That smells like it's going bad. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, is it time to rethink our obsession with fish oil pills? From The Guardian, I'm Madeline Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Richa Sayal is a freelance environment reporter based in the United Arab Emirates who's been covering this story for The Guardian. I got her on the line. Richa, there is so much to this story, but 
let's start at home in our cupboards with omega-3 fish oil supplements. Tell me, how popular are these and why do people take them? Fish oil is an extremely interesting product in my view. They are such an attractive looking supplement. There are these glowing golden orbed balls that give us supposedly so many health benefits. And they are, as you said, an extremely popular dietary supplement, particularly in the U.S., where they're consumed by more than a third of adults who take dietary supplements. And you reported last week that independent tests of fish oil supplements from 60 large retail brands had found that nearly one in 10 of these capsules were rancid and that half of all the products tested were hovering around the industry recommended limit of rancidity. This sounds disgusting, but What does it mean? (laughs) Yeah, so basically rancidity in fish oil is a chemical process that happens when it becomes highly oxidized. And normally consumers are told that if they're eating a fish oil capsule, they would kind of just bite into it and smell the liquid or they cut it open and smell it. And if it smells rotten, it usually is. But that's not particularly a helpful piece of advice because we're also seeing studies that highly oxidized pills have no smell at all. And some others are masked with flavoring such as lemon or orange flavored fish oil. So in general, these are really difficult products to trust. So when fish oil is exposed to oxygen, it changes chemically. And this is the process called oxidation. But Is it bad for us? Not particularly. Studies haven't really shown any sort of extreme detrimental health effects, but that's only because it's very difficult to test in humans. Um, What I can say is that there hasn't been enough research done to look at the level of ill effects on humans when they take a rancid fish oil. But there are certain studies that are coming up on a smaller scale saying that it might have some sort of negative impact. Certainly the chemical composition of oxidation changes the way that oil works. So there's an assumption that a rancid fish oil will be less effective. Okay, so it might be less effective, but it is pretty gross either way. Why is this happening on such a big scale? The three key factors that lead to oxidation are exposure to air, light, and heat. And it all kind of comes down to the long and complex supply chain that's involved with this product. Most of the fish that we're sourcing for fish oil comes from Peruvian anchovetas. They're these small silver fish. They're basically part of the world's largest fishery. And so you have this tiny fish that's being extracted and mushed down. And that crude oil coming from that fish then travels to China, where it's further distilled and purified. And then from there, it moves either to Europe or to North America to be manufactured and packaged. Now, at every stage along the supply chain, you have to limit and protect that oil from heat, from light, and from air, which is a very difficult thing to do. And because it's so difficult, 
we think that's why it's so common to have rancidity in your fish oil by the time it's in a, in a pretty little bottle and put on a shelf. This long supply chain, and particularly the anchovetas in Peru, takes us on to the next part of the story because it's not just that the capsules are rancid, there's also a big environmental cost to what's going on. Tell me more about that. So like I said, the Peruvian anchoveta fishery is the world's largest fishery. And the producers in Peru want to scale up operations to focus on dietary supplements because it's such a growing industry. But although the fishery claims to be highly regulated, there are plenty of unsustainable practices in the fishery, including skewing catch quotas, misreporting catches, and there's also the overfishing of juvenile anchovies. And that's particularly scary because the species is too young to reproduce and the population won't be able to replenish itself. Unfortunately, the environmental impacts don't end there. Journalist Dan Collins has been reporting for The Guardian on a town at the centre of the fish oil industry. I'm Dan Collins, a journalist based in Peru, and I've come to Chimbote, a coastal city about 270 miles north of the capital, Lima. I'm looking out at the ships, the fishing boats moored, out on the horizon and it's a beautiful scene. Chimbote nowadays is more associated with its smell. A phrase used in Peru is it smells like chimbote, referring to that fishy, uh, foul smell which I can best describe as um, going into a fish market in the afternoon when the fish has been sitting in the sun for a few hours. It might not be surprising that fishy smells pervade the city. Up to 42 companies are producing about 1 million tonnes of fish meal and 171,000 tonnes of fish oil just in Chimbote. But it's not only bad odours that come out of the factories. For decades, there have been accusations of untreated waste being dumped directly into Chimbote's bay. There, Dan met Romulo Loyaza, a biology professor in Chimbote, to see the impact that this has been having. Now, Romulo is looking through uh, what is just drawn up from the bottom of the, of the bay here, which is thick sludge. Uh, it's, it's dark brown, it smells eggy, sulfurous, pretty bad, and he's sifting through it with his fingers to see if there's any signs of life um, and, and he can't find anything. No, no bivalves, no uh, small mollusks or crustaceans. Um, it's just dark brown sludge. When Dan reached out to the SNP, which represents 11 of the country's top fish mill producers, they said that most of the sediment comes from El Nino events that have flooded the river, which feeds into the bay. 
Nevertheless, there are issues in the city too. The factories, which often sit right next to homes and neighbourhoods, produce fumes that pollute the air around them. Locally, residents call this oyin, black grime that gets onto the walls, washing and into the kitchens and food. They say it's also making them ill. This is Liz. She told us that many people in the area are dying of cancer and that the pollution got so bad that it was making the children ill and parents had to take them out of the local school. We also heard from Lizetti, a community leader in the Quinte de Abril neighbourhood. She said that the multi-million dollar companies behind the fish mill factories were only thinking about profits and not about the residents of Chimbote. Despite fighting the factories for years, Lizetti said they haven't received any compensation. In Dan's reporting, he couldn't independently verify claims that the pollution had caused cancer. The SNP denies that there's a rise in respiratory complaints among children, indicating that the health ministry figures show Ancash, the region where Chimbote is located, is below the national average for such illnesses. They added that the companies in Chimbote had invested 166 million US dollars in recent years to modernise their factories to reduce emissions and to move them away from residential areas. Yet, local neighbourhoods still report struggling with the air, the noise and the water pollution coming from the fish mill factories. And they say that change needs to come from the top. For me, it's been a takeaway which is quite bleak. I don't see a way out of the current situation. The fishing industry, the authorities in the country, the business elite needs to make more of a commitment to try and make life better for its citizens. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. They need to make sure that this marine ecosystem, one of the richest in the world, continues uh, to be sustainable. Richard Sayal, we have rancid supplements, often from unsustainable sources that are harming the environment and lots of the people who live and work around the industry. So let's come back to what we have in our cupboards. Is it time to give up the fish oil habit? And are there other alternative solutions? There are plant-based solutions and there are also non-plant-based solutions. And those would involve 
things such as krill oil, or now we're even seeing zooplankton being caught for their oils and packaged into dietary supplements. But when you're looking at some of the non-plant-based solutions such as krill and zooplankton, you're seeing a lot of conservationists sounding an alarm of overfishing and exploitation of that species that's really detrimental to their particular marine ecosystems. Then you have the plant-based solutions, which are becoming a bit more popular, particularly with algae and algae oil. That needs a little bit more research, but it seems to be cutting out the middleman because a lot of these fish actually feed on algae to get their own nutrients, and then we just take the fish and the nutrients within them. So after all this reporting, are you going to be taking fish oil supplements again? You know, I've never taken fish oil supplements. It was never really recommended to me, but I had plenty of friends that took them for a variety of reasons. And I've had them tell me after these stories have come out that they're going to stop. So I believe them and (laughs) I personally won't be taking them. We'll have to look for other sources of our omega-3. Richard, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. My thanks to Richard, Dan Collins and all the people he spoke to in Chimbote. Their reporting was part of Seascape, a series drawing attention to the dramatic changes taking place in our oceans. You can find more content from the series, as well as Reacher and Dan's articles, at theguardian.com. Now, art lovers amongst you, stay tuned, because I want to tell you about a Guardian Live event that's coming up on Thursday the 3rd of February. Lubaina Himid, the first black woman to win the Turner Prize, will be in conversation with art critic Hetty Judah, discussing her new exhibition at the Tate Modern, which looks brilliant, by the way, as well as the Black British Arts Movement and the inspiration behind her work. The event is going to be live-streamed at 8pm on Thursday the 3rd of February. So to find out more and to book a ticket, visit theguardian.com forward slash Tate event. That's one word, theguardian.com forward slash Tate event. And that's it from us this week. We'll be back on Tuesday. See you then. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.